we pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. In verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Not just a conqueror. That would have been awesome. But we're more than conquerors. You know what makes us more than a conqueror? Is that we don't have to conquer. Jesus conquered for us. And then gives us all of the spoils. I heard a man one time saying it's like somebody going out in boxing. And you fight this brutal battle, and I mean, both people are just beat up, and it was a terrible fight, and yet you win. And they raise your hand and you are the victor. And then you get the prize. You get all of the prize money, but you go home. And you give it to your wife. You're the one that fought the battle. But she is more than a conqueror because she gets all of the spoils. Without having to fight the battle. In a sense, see, that's what Jesus did for us. We're more than a conqueror because Jesus is the one that fought the devil. He's the one that bore all of the pain and the suffering. And yet he gives us all of the benefits. Man, that's awesome. We are more than a conqueror. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. For being more than a conqueror. And then he says in verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. You know, that just about covers anything. Anything that's present, anything to come, regardless of how high it is, regardless of how low it is, whether it's a principality, a demon, anything, nothing. It says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, this is strong assurance. 
You know, there's so many people that I've met, Christians, who have no security. They don't have any confidence that they're going to go be with the Lord. Matter of fact, I just had some people on my program back uh, just about a month ago and they had come out of a cult and it wasn't they weren't even born again. They believed in God, but not in Jesus. But one of the things, they never believed that they were right with God. They were just hoping that sometime when they died, that God would accept them, but they lived in constant dread of losing their salvation. And because they weren't holy enough or something like this. And sad to say, there is a large segment of Christianity that does not understand this. That neither height nor depth, length or breadth, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, demonic principalities, nothing can separate us. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And there's people that don't believe that. They live in constant dread. And you know why? Because they are still under a law mentality. They think that their performance is what earns them relationship with God. And our performance just fluctuates. We're up and down like a yo-yo. Sometimes we are passionate in serving God. Other times we get carnal and mess up. And if you think that God relates to you based on your performance, she will never have this security that is being described right here. You know why? Because you are relating to God based on you. And you are not the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You fluctuate. And so therefore your confidence level will fluctuate based on your performance. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If your faith is in Jesus and what he's done, that is 
established. It's a law. It does not deviate. And you can know that I am in right standing with God because of what Jesus did. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, my right standing with God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. And I tell you, that is huge security. There are people watching this program right now that you do not have that. And I'm reading to you right from Scripture, but nonetheless, your tradition just makes these Scriptures of no effect. You say, but that's not what I've been taught. Well, then what you've been taught is wrong. I'm saying based on the word of God. Let me just read this again. I am persuaded. It's one thing for Paul to be persuaded, but are you persuaded? I'm trying to persuade you right now to believe the word of God and go by what God's word says instead of what some religious organization has taught you. I'm telling you, Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. The end. There is no criticism against that. That's what the Bible says. If that's not what you feel, if that's not what you've been taught, then what you've been taught is wrong. Those are some bold statements. But that's exactly what the Word of God teaches. Man, that's powerful. And you know what? I want to get on into chapter 10. I've still got, uh, man, what would that be? About 40 verses to go. In uh, the rest of today and tomorrow's program, I'm going to have to skip through some things. Let me just summarize. Most of the ninth chapter. After he's made these wonderful statements about how it's all just through the grace of God. Well, this, this raises the question well, what about all of the Jews? Paul was writing to people who were Hebrews. 
kubanga Paulo yali awandikira abantu abebulania who were Jews ababali abayudaya people who had been under this religious system abantu abo abali wansiwe nkola yechinadini and he is saying that he still loved the Jews he says in these first few verses of the ninth chapter kati abagamantira mu kitufa cha yagala abayudaya erechina chogera mu nnyirizi nezi soka wanu mulwo mwenda say the truth in Christ I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my spirit. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Man, that is a strong love to wish that you could somehow or another go to hell in their place. But you know that's unnecessary because Jesus has already done that. He's already borne our punishment. And so it's unnecessary for us to have to become a substitute for other people. Jesus did it. But Paul is expressing his love for the Jews. He wished above all things else, even to the point that he would be willing to go to hell if that would produce salvation for the Jews. That's how much he loved them. And he begins to talk about how that God has a plan for the Jews. Even though they had as a whole rejected him. And of course there was thousands, maybe more of, of Jews who got born again. But as a whole, the Jewish race did not accept Jesus as their Messiah. And because of that, the church was put in its place. It doesn't mean that the Jews, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these that preaches a replacement theology. Where the church is now the inheritor of everything that was promised to the Jews. I believe that there are still promises to the Jews that are coming to pass. I believe that the Jewish nation being reformed in, what was it, 1948 or 1949? coming a nation again. I believe that those were prophecies that were fulfilled. I believe that there are prophecies being fulfilled in the nation of Israel. And I believe that God's people still have prophecies about them that are coming to pass. I believe that there are prophecies being fulfilled in the nation of Israel. 
We uh, have been exalted to a place. And Paul talks about that right here, but then he goes on to say, but there is still a future restoration and promises about the Jews that are going to come to pass. And he, so he's saying all of this to people who have listened to everything that he said about how that the law was never the way to really approach unto God. It was just to show us our need for God. It did not make the Jews more special. Matter of fact, I didn't really focus on these scriptures a lot, but in chapter 2 and chapter Three, he says, man, those Jews are the true Jew are those that are Jews in their heart. Who have accepted the faith of Abraham and not just the physical lineage. Of Abraham and stuff. And so this is what he's talking about. In the ninth chapter. And one of the verses I want to jump down to, man, I'm, I'm covering a lot of territory here, but in verse 29. Or excuse me, chapter 9, uh, verse, let's see. That's Romans chapter 11 I was thinking of. So anyway, again, here in chapter 9, he is quoting from Isaiah and he's showing you prophecies from Isaiah that are talking about that there will be a future restoration, that God's people still have a plan in the end times. And things like this. And towards the end of this ninth chapter, he says in verse 30, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. You know, let me just say here that for us, this doesn't mean a lot, but for the Jews of Paul's day, this was blasphemy. This was very offensive. To them, because the Jews believe that through the law they had access to God. And nobody else did. They did not believe that the Gentiles, non Jews, could have a relationship with God. 
And Paul was saying that the Gentiles have obtained a right standing with God. That the Jews missed. Oh man, this this just incensed people. This is why Paul was stoned and left for dead. That's why he was put in prison. People hated this. This was very offensive. What we would say today, since Jew and Gentile isn't the big deal with us, what we would say today is that the un- Churched are the ungodly people. Have actually obtained a greater relationship with God than the people that go to church all of the time and are living a holy life and yet they are trusting in their holiness. Now see, that is very offensive to religious people today to say that this person over here who hasn't done all of the great things I've done, that God loves them more than he loves me. Absolutely, if you are trusting in your own goodness. And if they just accept salvation as a gift. Yes, they have a greater relationship with God than you do as a holy person who is trusting in your own self-righteousness. That's very offensive to people today. Verse 31, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained unto the law of righteousness. Why? Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it was by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So he's saying, why is it that the Jews didn't obtain under this right standing with God? And the non-religious people did. Because the Jews were seeking it by the law. They were trying to live up to the standards and fulfill all of the commands. It's not understanding that the law wasn't given for you to keep. Nga, 
but it was given to show you how incapable of keeping it as you were. Wabula eteka liyakuwewa okula ganti tosobole la kodala kulitu ukiliza. So you would get away from self-righteousness and you would call out to God for mercy. Osobole okuva mukunonyo butukilivu wonga guomuntu okuwole katonda kuruoku sasi lakwe. But the religious Jews had gotten caught up in thinking that I can do this. I can be holy. And then God is obligated to move in my life because I've lived holy. That's the reason they didn't obtain to it. And the reason that the people who were the non-Jews, the non-religious people, received it because they just heard Paul preaching the gospel. The nearly too good to be true knew that God just loves you because he is love, not because you are lovely. And they accepted that. And they had right standing with God. Whereas some of the holy people didn't. And the only thing you can contribute to it is your faith. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 2. That we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And so faith is the only thing we can contribute, not our good works, not our good actions. Your self righteousness does not help you with God. And this is what this is saying. If you are going about to establish your own righteousness, that's a works-based righteousness, a self-righteousness, then you are not submitted unto the righteousness which is of God by faith. It's one or the other. You can't be saying, well, I'm going to live as righteous as I can. Jesus, I ask you to make up the difference. Let me just flip over. I hadn't got time to teach all the way through these verses. But let me go over to Romans chapter 11. And in verse 6, it says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Very wordy in the King James. But all this is saying is it's either one or the other. It's either your work. Works, 
your performance, or it's God's grace. But it can't be a mixture of the two. If you mix works with grace, then grace isn't grace anymore. And if you mix grace with works, well, then works isn't the same anymore. You're either saved by your goodness or you're saved by God's grace. And I can guarantee you there's not a single person that's saved by your goodness. It has to be totally God's grace. You put faith in what God did. And then you do right things, but those right things are a byproduct. It's the fruit of salvation and not the root. So, of salvation. Man, that's huge. What I just said right there, and most people do not get this. They, they mix the two. You know, the, the worst thing is when people pervert the gospel. It would actually be easier to convince a person to trust in Jesus as their savior if they just said all right I'm holy and God's got to accept me because I am so holy it would be easy to reach a person like that because man I could take the law and I could whittle them down to size in just a short period of time. But you know what's hard is when a person says, oh, well, I know I'm not good enough. I can't be saved just based on me, but it's what I do plus what Jesus does. I am the core I am the heart of it. I've got to do these things. And then God just makes up the difference. That's what Paul called a perversion of the gospel. This is what he was attacking in the book of Galatians. And this is what I'm talking about. And most of the church lives in this area. They wouldn't just sit there and say, oh, I'm holy and God's got to accept me because I'm better than everybody else. Most people aren't that deceived. They aren't that arrogant. But what they will do is say, oh, yeah, I need Jesus. And Jesus gets me born again. And I've got to have that. I've got to have what he paid. But it's not just him. I've also got to add to it. 
I've got to be holy and it's not Jesus isn't enough. Faith in Jesus isn't everything. I've got to also be holy. That is a perversion of the gospel and that's where basically the modern day church lives is where they're mixing these things together. And that's a perversion. And that's harder to reach. It's harder to reach people that are half in and half out. But again, I go back to that verse in Romans 11, 6. It's either grace or it's works. But it's not a combination of the two. You have to be saved by what Jesus did for you and not what Jesus did for you plus what you do for him. No, it's all Jesus. I've used this before, but Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing except faith in Jesus equals everything. And you know the people who get upset at what I'm saying? It's not the people who've lived in sin. Because to them, this is good news. You're telling me that God would love me and accept me and I could have a relationship with him even though I'm totally unworthy of it? Absolutely. And man, the people who have lived an unholy life, they love this because it's good news. But you know what? The religious people are the ones that hate this. You know who persecuted Jesus? The Romans would not have crucified Jesus. Pilate would not have crucified Jesus if it had just been him. It was the religious Jews. It was the religious Jews that persecuted Jesus. It was the religious Jews that persecuted Paul and all of the early New Testament Christians. It's always religious people. You know why? Because religious people are proud of what they've done. They are holding their holiness out there for all to see. The Pharisees of Jesus' day used to wear these long robes and they wore these things called phylacteries around their head where in Deuteronomy chapter 6 or chapter 8 it says that you have to keep the word of 
God before your eyes at all time. And of course, what that's talking about, you just have to be focused on the Word of God. And thinking about it and letting the Word of God dominate you. But they took it literally and they would tie this thing around their head. And they had this little pouch that hung down in front of their eyes. And they would put scripture in it, which they thought was fulfilling the command of Deuteronomy, which it wasn't. But they would wear these phylacteries and keep the word of God in front of them. That they violated the word constantly in its heart, in its concept. But they went through all these religious things. And they were trust and they trusting in their own performance and they were very proud of themselves. And that's the reason they persecuted Jesus, because Jesus came along. And started offering people relationship with God. A woman who was taken in the very act of adultery. And Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And man, the Jews hated that. Because that meant that man, all of their great holiness didn't make them better. Then this woman taken in adultery or this tax collector Matthew who was doing these things and it was it was an insult to their holiness. They were promoting themselves and not promoting God. And the religious people hated Jesus. So it was the religious people that crucified him and it's the religious people who hate the true gospel today. You know, this program can be seen around the world by 3.2 billion people people is the potential. And I can guarantee you there have been thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people hating what I say because they have been raised in a religious system where they are trusting in their holiness and for me to say that your holiness doesn't amount to a hill of beans you need to put faith in Jesus and 
That's an insult to them. They feel like all of their goodness is wasted. That's not true. Did you know that living a holy life will benefit you? But not with God. It'll benefit you with people. If you treat people correctly, and if you walk in love, you're going to be better off. People will like you. More, there is benefit to a self-righteousness. But not with God. God doesn't accept any of us based on our righteousness. It's our righteousness, regardless of how good it is, is not good enough. It falls short of God's standard. You just have to receive His righteousness by faith. So again, going back to Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You know, I actually held a meeting one time with a man who he was into the grace of God and he understood that it was totally the grace of God. To such a degree. And he understood that the law just pointed out our sin and it condemned us and it killed us. And it brought us to the end of ourselves. He saw these truths, but he went so far as to say that the law should be totally done away with. We shouldn't even have standards of right and wrong. There shouldn't be any knowledge of right and wrong. That there is nothing right and wrong. We're now all accepted in Jesus and you can do whatever you want to. And that is a truth taken to an extreme. All heresy is is one truth taken to the exclusion of all other truths. But this verse right here totally undoes that. It says Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness. It didn't say it's the end of the law. Now, 
The law still exists. There still is a right use of the law. And I talked about this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Where it says the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. And then it lists all of these sins. There still is a purpose of the law for the lost man. Even for a person who's born again. You don't relate to God by the law and you're keeping of it. But let's say, for instance, you are a salesman. And you're out selling your product. And you know, you want to know, should I should I tell the people everything about my product? They're just the things that are favorable to my product. I'm not going to lie to him. But I, I just won't tell him all of the things. I'm going to leave him with the false impression. But everything I said was true. And you wonder, is that the right way or not? If you'll turn over to the law, Exodus chapter 20, it doesn't say you shall not lie. It says you shall not bear false witness. That's false witness. You can tell a person nothing but the truth and yet leave a false impression with them by just selectively choosing which pieces of information you'll tell them. So see, even a Christian, it's not that you are accepted with God by your performance. But if you want to know, God, what would you have me to do in this situation? Well, the law was perfect. There was nothing wrong with the the law. It was just that we were imperfect. And we couldn't keep it. But it still shows you what God's right standard is. And God's right standard is don't leave a false impression. And so you know what? If you were a salesman, you need to tell a person the truth. That doesn't mean that you necessarily amplify the negatives. You don't have to present the worst case scenario. But you need to be honest. And the law will show you that. So even as a Christian, there still is benefit to knowing what God said was right and wrong. But we don't live by the law. 
Christ is the end of the law for the purpose of right standing with God. Not the end of the law. The law still has a purpose, but it's the end of the law for the purpose of righteousness to everyone that believes in Jesus Christ. Man, these are strong statements. And then he goes on and shows how that we don't have to ascend up into heaven through us being holy and doing things right. We don't have to ascend into hell descend into hell through beating ourselves and doing penance and suffering for our own sin. Because Jesus came and did all of this for us. He came down from heaven for us. He went down to hell for us. He's already done it. So what do we have left to do? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved. That's all you got to do. You just have to make Jesus your Lord. That doesn't mean that you're saying I'll never make a mistake again. No, but you have to turn your life over and say I want you to be Lord. There is plenty of grace. We will all fail and come short. But you have to be willing to make him your Lord. And confess that with your mouth, believe it in your heart. And it says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's all about what Jesus did for us. Not what we do for Jesus. And you can just receive salvation as a gift. Zero Bidi Zero 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 Zero